Well, happy Founders Day again. Happy birthday, Free Church, 177 years. It's pretty cool. I like the little nod to our Scottish, uh, the Scottish heritage of our founders with the bagpipes, although I might be deaf in my left ear. <laughs> it was worth it, right? Um, yeah, praise God. It, but it, it's, it's their legacy of faith. John Smith saw that slave trade, and he said, we, can't, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We believe in the dignity of human life, and we cannot just live life the way the world lives life. We can't just do business the way the world does business. We're going to live differently. We're going to be active in helping people and active in Underground Railroad. And we're going to do business differently. We're not going to process cotton. We're going to, we're going to process flax. The reason they were the first successful flax mill in here was that the machinery didn't exist. They had to design it. John Dove designed and engineered that equipment to process flax. And, and they did become very successful in their business. And, and so we're, just, we're, we're not going to just do church the same way. We're going to, you know, if, if we're not going to speak truth in our churches, then we're going to found a church that will speak truth. And so they live life differently. And this is how our faith works, that we realize that we are God's people. And God has called us to a way of life that's going to look different than what the rest of the world is doing. And God, God's law guides that way of life. And this is what God has done here uh, for these Israelites in, in the Exodus. His people were enslaved in Egypt, and he takes them. He rescues them out of that life of slavery. And he said, you're going to live a new life as my people, as my special people, my chosen people. You're going to be a holy nation. You're going to show who I am to the world, but you're going to live a different way. And then God's law establishes that way. This is the Ten Commandments here, which is the sort of the preamble and kind of the summary of all of God's law in the Old Testament. So two years ago, for those of you who were here, we spent the whole summer just studying the Ten Commandments, one per week, for ten weeks in the summer. Some of you were here for that. You should all be experts in the Ten Commandments. So why do we uh, go over it again? I would say because of all of the major themes in Exodus, and we've hit some major themes of the faith, how God calls people to himself and how we respond in faith, how God delivers us from slavery, the slavery of sin, how, how God provides for his people, and now how God gives his law. Of all those major themes, this idea of God's law is one that we can misunderstand. It's one that we can get wrong and um, it, it, there's, there's ways that we can miss the point, um, particularly because it's really hard to follow God's law perfectly. So we can feel guilty. It can really hold us back. It can make us want to just kind of quit or walk away from faith. Um, that's, that totally misses the point of what God's law is meant to be. God's law had, was never meant to be a burden on his people. It was meant to be freeing. And I want to look at that. So today I want to consider two things. One, the basis of God's law, and then secondly, the blessings of, of the law. The basis and the blessings. Let us pray. Father God, we are um, we're, we're happy for what we celebrate today. Uh, faithfulness of past generations, Lord. But I pray that you would help us to grow, to be a church that is faithful today, in our day, in our cultural moment. Lord, that we would, we would be those who follow your way, that we would be those who speak truth, uh, that we would be those who uphold uh, the, the dignity of, of, every, of every person, knowing that you love all that you have created and you desire uh, for all to be saved, Lord. But may it start with our hearts. May we align our hearts to your way as we seek to live as a light in our world. Teach us now in this time. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The basis of God's law, the basis of God's law, we see this in chapter 20, verse 2. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and then this is how you're going to live. The basis of the law is a relationship with God. And it's a relationship of God's grace, God's saving grace. Uh, the relationship always comes before the rules. You've got to remember that this is a redeemed people. This is a rescued people. They've already been redeemed. So the law isn't how they are redeemed. The law is how redeemed people live. This isn't a way to earn God's salvation. God says, I'm the one who saved you. The salvation has already happened. I've already called you to be my special people. And now, here's the law. Here's, here's my rules. Here is a way of life that is going to show that you are indeed a rescued people, a chosen people. And we're just, it really continues the theme from last week, that God redeems his people and then he provides for them. And we just need to trust how God provides. And his law is part of that provision, showing them how to be a people. It actually makes them a people because it gives them a way of life together. We need to be careful. We always need to remember the relationship comes before the rules. When we, when we forget that, we can fall into a couple different, we can fall into some errors. A couple common ones. One would be legalism. Legalism means you keep the law in a very strict way, forgetting that the law is based on God's relationship, his initiation, and you, you essentially you're following the law in a way that is trying to get more of God's blessing. It's trying to earn God's favor in some way or somehow get God to be better to you than to other people who maybe aren't following the law as excellently as you are. And the problem with that is it's trying to control God. That is not the purpose of the law. And then the other problem is when we try to be really legalistic, we, we can't. We fail. We fall short of God's law. And then we feel guilty and, and it, it just puts us in this place, and it forgets that grace is the foundation of this relationship. That God in his grace has called me to a way of life, not me trying to get God to be on board with my way because of my behavior. It's God saying, no, I want you to get in line with, with his way. So that's legalism. On the other side of the spectrum would be license. So a licentious person would look at God's law and say, yeah, I really can't keep that law anyway, and apparently God will just give me his grace, so why even try? Just, just let it all go. And that is an abuse of God's grace. And both of these, legalism and license, have been around the whole time. The writers of the New Testament talk specifically about, no, we don't sin because God's grace is there, and and, and no, we can't, you know, you can never be justified by being a perfect law keeper. You need God's grace. It's all about a relationship to God with grace. And it's rooted in the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is how it works. It's a straight-up trade. We get credited Jesus' perfect record of keeping the law. And he takes our imperfect record. He takes our sin and our failure. And he takes the punishment for that. We get his righteousness he gets the sin, and we are, we are then free. You say, look, I can't perfectly keep God's law, but Jesus did. And because he did, he can be my substitute. 
And because he's my substitute and he perfectly kept the law and his spirit is alive in me to empower me and to motivate me, I, can, I am free now to just obey God's commands, living under his grace. His grace is at work in me. His power is at work in me. And I can truly uh, pursue God's law. So the law pushes me to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. And then the good news of Jesus pushes me back out to live and obey in freedom. I know too many people who have grown up in faith traditions where the, they, they never understood that the relationship comes before the rules. They were, they were taught kind of strict obedience and, and guilt and, you know, this is how God will accept you if you're just good enough. It's very rules-based. Um, in some cases, just very strict. In some cases, actually just almost abusive in how um, guilt-based it was. And unfortunately, sometimes people, when they leave that kind of a, a framework, they just throw it all away and walk away. They don't want anything to do with it. And they go this, the way of license to just live however you want. But th- there's a different way. There's God's way where we receive his grace and his, his healing in our lives, and it propels us to a grace-based, relationship-based obedience. So the basis of God's law is a relationship with God, a relationship based on grace. So that's the basis of the law. But the blessing of the law, two blessings I want to point out. The first blessing is freedom. The Ten Commandments become just this declaration of freedom for these people who had previously been living as slaves. So instead of... Um, living as a slave, they are now free to worship God fully, to, to not have to sort of um, live under these, the gods of Egypt, these pagan gods in any way. They're free to work with dignity instead of as slaves. They, they, their work has dignity and rhythms of rest. You're going to work and you're going to Sabbath and you're going to have these rhythms that bring dignity and freedom to, to your life and the work that you do. You've got freedom now to, health, to, to nurture healthy relationships in your life, healthy marriage and relationship to, from children to parents. Um, so you're going to have healthy family relationships. You're going to have the freedom of owning property. You can own, you can own a house and you can own livestock and, and you can have a life and you can respect other people's property by not desiring what's not yours or taking what, what's not yours. It, it's, it's a freedom to live in fellowship with God and at peace with my neighbors around me, my community. And it is a beautiful way of life that is free. There's a joy of obedience in that sense. The law was never meant to hold God's people back or to discourage God's people, but to free them. And so the law is not a burden. But sometimes we learn it and we hear this, you shall not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And you hear all the negative of it and it can feel like a holding back and a burden. But truly, it is freedom. And it gives us kind of a a limitation and a self-discipline that truly is liberating. I mean, if you think back on your life and the things that you really regret in your life, here's my guess. The things that you regret in your life are not when you were following God's way excellently. Probably not. I know in my life, and I think about uh, seasons and, and times that were, that were not good, that I'm not proud of. I, those are times when I was essentially living in rebellion, living my own way, making terrible decisions, all of those things. God, God's law doesn't... It, it, actually, Jesus says that life of sin is slavery. That's what's going to hold you back. 
And it's, it's God's way that will bring out true freedom in life. So freedom is, is the first blessing of God's law. The second blessing is the blessing of witness. Meaning, not just for you, not just for God's people, but God's people to be a blessing to their world living this way of life. God had told them, you're my special possession. You are going to be a holy nation. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to, you're going to live and minister to your world around you in such a way that it's going to show the world who I am. This is all about God fulfilling his promises to his people. Remember, God made a covenant promise to a man named Abraham. He said, your descendants are blessed. You're going to, have, you're going to be a nation of people you will be blessed, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And this is Abraham's descendants. And when God sees them and hears them cry out in their slavery, God rescues them so that they can truly live out what God intended for them to be a blessing to the rest of the world. God's law for them doesn't just keep them from being an unruly mob walking around the desert. It, I mean, it does that. I mean, they, they weren't a nation. They didn't have any laws. You can't be a society that's totally lawless and without some sort of social order. And law does that. It's a good thing. Um, but God's intent wasn't just for them to be nice to each other, but agents of world change. Image bearers of God that live God's kingdom way in their world and people can see God through their, through their lives. They were given this amazing status. You used to be slaves but you're my special possession, you're a holy nation. And then in the New Testament, and the, the followers of Jesus were given the same status. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. This is just loaded with Exodus language, the same language that, that uh, God told Moses to speak to the people. This is what Peter says. He says, you, followers of Jesus, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's all Exodus language, right? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul and live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So look, you're going to live in such a way that people, they're not going to get you. They may accuse you of whatever it is, but they're ultimately there's going to be people who see God through your life. Not because you're holier than thou, not because you're so great. I mean, I forget who first said it, but you, know, you are a chosen people, not a choice people. You are, you are chosen to, to live in this way as light in a dark world, choosing to live God's way. It's one of the greatest proofs that God exists is, is the changed life of his people who live in humility, living under the grace of God, living good and pure and, and holy lives. It shows the world that, yeah, the gospel works. It can save a sinner like me. It can, it can rescue your life from darkness and bring you into God's light. And it's, I mean, there's logical arguments that God exists. There's rhetorical arguments. There's scientific arguments. But it's the argument of a life that has been changed by God, walking in his way, that points our world to who God is. So God's law is good. It is based 
on our relationship, a grace-based relationship with God, and it brings the blessing of freedom for us and a witness to our world. So how do we live this out? And I struggle because there's no shortcut to obedience. There's no shortcut to, to living God's way and remembering that we will fall short. Yet when we fall short, we go back to the cross. We go back to his grace, and his grace compels us to go forward and live a life for him. So I just encourage you to meditate on this, to, to sit with these commands and read them and, and consider where in my life is, is there, where does this resonate in my life? Where do I see these things lived out? And then where is there dissonance in my life, where, in the, the work that I do, in the way that I live, in the things that I choose to do? Where, where are those at odds with God's law? whether it's this list here in Exodus or whether it's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, kind of Jesus expanding on God's law and understanding what that would look like lived out in the life of a person of faith. And just meditate on that. Let the gospel marinate in that. Let the good news work through that as you seek to live differently. Just as the founders of this church and in their day said, you know what, as a follower of as a person of faith, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we're going to live differently. We're going to do things differently, that we would be a people who say, in my day where God has called me, in this week to come and in whatever, however many years God gives me, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live his way, that it might free me and be a blessing to my world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your righteous law. And we confess that we cannot follow it perfectly, but we thank you that your grace, your grace, Lord, draws us to yourself and releases us to live lives that are truly good, Lord. That your spirit is at work in the hearts of your people, Lord. Help us to see what that looks like. Help us to just continue to turn to you and turn back to you in grace, Lord. To receive your grace. To walk in your ways. May it be in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.